The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences. If you are not an adult, please do not let your parents know you're listening to this, and don't repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please drink responsibly. Now that we have all that covered, let's start the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 305 of the podcast. Unless you're joining live on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. If you want to catch the show live, of course, you can subscribe on one or all of those platforms. Turn on your notifications so you know when the show is going live. Like right now. Today is Sunday, March the 5th. For those of you keeping track, 2023, we are coming off a UFC 285 if you can believe it the return of john jones to heavyweight or the debut of john jones at heavyweight rather before we get into any of that let me introduce mr los angeles the world traveler back again jeff the animal Wilson, Jeff, how you feeling, brother? Welcome back to the East Coast. Bill, um, the West Coast is overrated, dude. It was cold and it was rainy while I was out there. I was like, dude, I have this back in Jersey. And you went to L.A. like the one week of the year that it was raining. Yeah, people kept telling me that. And I was like. Whatever, dude. You know, um, Bill. I tried In and Out Burger. It is not that big of a deal. Um, I think people just like it because you could get a whole meal for ten bucks. But um, I think Five Guys is better. Um, yeah. I mean, it's all shit to be honest. Like, I I tried In and Out in Dallas and in California, and both times I was like, it's just fucking fast food it's the same it's the same garbage as anywhere else i don't understand the hype personally yeah um but it's less it doesn't taste as good as five guys but anyway um bill (laughs) what i will say though i did like the shakes at in and out um i had their strawberry milkshake it was really good um like really really good like i would go back just for a milkshake uh but you know it was it was a you know, we could get a meal for under 10 bucks. Everything in California is unbelievably expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill, on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, I went into a pizzeria just for a slice, you know, something to hold me down. And they were charging me 10 bucks for one slice of pizza. What? Bill, I could buy an entire pizza in Jersey for $8. Okay. That's insane. Yeah. I can't uh, I can't even find a pizza for like even a personal pizza for eight dollars here in Florida, but ten dollars for a slice? Get the fuck out of here. And then it was three dollars for a bottle of water. I was like, you know what? I'll just be hungry, dude. Like, screw that. Did you did you have the pizza? Absolutely not. Oh, okay. I mean I mean, I would be kind of curious to see what a ten dollar slice tastes like. I could tell you one thing. I wasn't paying ten dollars for it. I so. mean, for my money, like 
Um, New York City is a shithole right now. I wouldn't recommend anybody go there. But for my money, the dollar slices in Manhattan still hold up as better pizza than 99.98% of the country is putting out. Um, I don't know what it is. Some people think it's the water. Some people think it's just the climate and the way the yeast makes the dough rise. I, I can't explain it, Jeff. I'm not, I'm not Gordon Ramsay. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not uh fucking, who's that other guy? Robert Irvine. Like I'm not Emerald. I don't know why the pizza's better. It, it just is right. I can't explain it to you, but um, I'll tell you a quick story about the first time I went to LA. Uh, Bill, I'm losing you. I can't hear a word you're saying. I think your mic's muted. But in all seriousness, folks, uh, you know, while Bill's taking care of the goldies there, um, and also, I buddy of, and I met up with another friend out there, and we drove to Beverly Hills. Malibu, uh, Venice Beach, uh, the Santa Monica Pier was beautiful. We went at night, so the Ferris wheel was lit up, and and you know it, it, it was a nice time. In all seriousness, uh, the food was really good. I went to this bar called the West End Bar. Uh, it was a little pricier, a little bit high end, but it was really good, dude. Um, Bill, I had this this uh, lamb shank, which I don't know if that's the shoulder or the leg, mm. but Bill, I put my fork into it and all of it just fell off the bone. So, Bill, I think I the, was the shank is that the shank is a prison knife, Jeff. Ah, that explains it. That. <laughs> but, uh, but Bill, um, it, it was great food and it was served with this, uh, with this risotto, which was really good. Uh, had some green beans with it. Uh, and then nice. finished it off with some figgy pudding, Bill. I figured, you know, it, it's what, it, I guess it's what people eat in California. I don't know, but I never tried it before, so I want to try some figgy pudding. Um, I didn't know Davison Figueredo had a pudding. Yeah. Um. Nice. Sounds like you had a little, uh, nice little culinary excursion, and it, you avoided that ten dollars slice of pizza. Yeah. So I, you know, the 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 lamb shank was forty bucks, but I figured it's lamb, so yeah. lamb is is kind of pricey anyway. Um. Yeah, there's no lamb in pizza. Has anybody ever made a lamb pizza? You think that's a thing? Doubtful. Dude, if it was a lamb shank pizza, I'd, I'd pay the 10 bucks for a slice. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely. You can't do you can't do like marinara sauce and, and cheese. You got to do something else on it. Yeah, it has to be like pesto or something. Yeah, some kind of like garlic and herb. Maybe you could still do cheese. Um, but yeah, Bill, you were telling me you are giving me a damage report about this weekend. Oh, no, no damage this weekend, kid. We're, we're, we're flying right. Everything's going well. But I was about to tell you, the first time I went to L.A., um, a buddy of mine, his name's Jim, um, he was going on a business trip to L.A. And he was going to be at some conference in downtown L.A. And he said, hey, fly out with me, stay at a motel for a couple of days. And then when the conference is over, you can come 
a hangout at the hotel I'm staying at. So I was like, okay, cool. I didn't know anything about LA at the time. I don't, I was early twenties at the time. So I just go online and I book a motel like close to the airport. Uh, it was in an area called Inglewood, Jeff. Um, I just looked at the map. I'm like, all right, whatever. Motel eight. Not knowing that this is like the neighborhood that Tupac is from. So <laughs> me, um, you know, looking the way I look or, uh, you know, a younger version of this, uh, staying in Tupac Shakur's neighborhood, you can understand I stood out just a little bit. Um, and it, it actually worked out to be, um, a great time. It was a, uh, it, it was a, a big, uh, Salvadorian neighborhood, Jeff. So, you know, I guess I've been drawn to these people, <laughs> uh, since before I even met you. Um, but yeah, I, I hung out at like some really cool Salvadorian spots that to this day, one of the best breakfasts I've ever had was a hole in the wall, salvadorian spot in inglewood california i couldn't tell you the name of it but it was like there was like four tables in there uh, nobody spoke english um but the huevos rancheros jeff out of this world like i've i never had anything like it to this day i've i've been like i've been seeking a similar dish and um i've never found it so I don't know. You're going to have to take me to El Salvador one day and maybe they can recreate this for me. Oh, dude, now's a good time to go. The president has been like cleaning house. Like he just put 6,000 prisoners in this new mega prison in El Salvador. Oh, so, nice. um, yeah, it's people, my dad and my sister just went uh, at the end of last month, actually. And they they had a great time. They were like, it's so different. Uh, so it's nice to see that uh, that it's he's trying the president's trying to make it more touristy, which I'm all for it. Cool. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, but uh, there's some places up here that um, that'll take care of that, man. They do uh, my favorite Salvadorian breakfast, which is I think everybody's every Salvadorian's favorite breakfast is the scrambled eggs. Like you said, with the tomatoes and peppers in there, some onions, they'll give you some refried beans, some cheese, a, um, this white sauce, which is more cheese and some tortillas. And, and you eat all of it together at the same time, Bill, that'll, that'll leave you full until dinner, man. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Um, it was incredible. And then I remember I went, I went to this little, uh, this little bar where they had they had live music and I just sat there with like a bucket of Coronas. Um, you know, I may have cut a rug with a few Salvadorian ladies, made a few friends and um, it was a great time. You know, I was young and stupid. Um, probably got myself in an area that was where I was way in, in way over my head, but um, I've always tended to kind of blend in wherever I go. The, the worst part about LA, I'll tell you this too. Um, I had no idea that there was no public transportation, really 
You know, I, I come from New York where it's pretty easy to get around. We got trains and buses and things. Uh, apparently these things don't exist in LA. So I went out like walking one of the days I was there and, um, I found a nice little German beer garden, had myself a beer and some lunch. And then, um, I didn't know how to get back to my hotel and my cell phone had died. And this was not at the point where like you could just charge your cell phone at like a Walgreens or whatever. So I wound up getting on a bus, like one of the only buses in LA. It took me like the complete, I told the bus driver where I was going. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah come on. It, it was the complete wrong way. Um, I, I wound up walking like seven miles back to my motel. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bad. And it, I only knew this because once I got back and I could charge my phone, I looked up like where I was <laughs> and I kind of saw like where the bus took me further away and then how I made my way back to, I had never been so happy to see a motel eight sign in my life, Jeff. Um, so the good thing about it was, uh, they sell liquor in CBS. So yeah, I, on my way back to the motel, I was able to get myself a nice handle of Jack Daniels. Uh, which was, uh, which was, uh, my, my drink of choice at the time, you know, this was before I became the whiskey connoisseur, uh, that you see before you today, Jeff, but, um, <clears throat> before we get into the MMA stuff, I had an awesome day today too. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Mm. Fam and I went up to a, a little state park about 15, 20 minutes North of here. Uh, we rode our bikes through the park. They have like a natural springs. We did a little picnic in there. Um, Ariana like set up the picnic blanket for us and like took out all the food and distributed it. And she rode her bike around and then went on the playground, was playing tag with some other kids. And then once she was good and tired out, I had like the, the wagon that attaches to the back of my bicycle. And we took a two and a half mile bike ride down the Pinellas trail, which I believe you've been on before Jeff. Yeah. Um, uh, down into uh, downtown Palm Harbor and there's a brewery right on the bicycle trail. Uh, so we pop over, had a beer at divine brewery, which um, makes some really nice beer. Um, they had some good IPAs. They had a good red ale. Uh, you know, we had a few little sips and then sweated out on the two and a half mile ride back. And, um, then Ariana wanted to ride her bike around some more. So pretty nice little Sunday. I gotta say, um, yeah, that's it. Anything else uh, new going on with you before we get into these fights here? Oh, dude. Um, just one, one thing that really stuck out to me in LA was, uh, we went to this arcade. It was like a bar slash arcade. Yeah, yeah. Um, dude, it was so much fun. Um, and like they had like Street Fighter 2, they had Marvel versus Capcom, which is like one of my favorite games. And um, for for those two games in particular, they had it set up where people sitting at the bar could see our screens so they could see us like fighting each other in Street Fighter. It was it was yeah. awesome, dude. Um, it's like Twitch in person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's cool. You know, there's a barcade like right in Jersey City, right? 
Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't sure how I'd feel about it, but after going to that one, I kind of want to check this one out in Jersey City. Yeah, it's um, a good time. Yeah, dude. And we lucked out because my buddy who I went with has a friend who lives in Los Angeles and he has a car. So he, I helped out with the drive-in. He let us, uh, you know, he's the one who took us to all these places, San Diego. And cause it was like a two and a half hour drive from where we were in Los Angeles to San Diego. Yeah. I was going to say you, you casual, you're casually like, yeah, we went to San Diego. Like it's fucking next door. <laughs> and that's what I thought when, when we got there, but then my buddy was like, no, it's two and a half hours. I was like, all right. I mean, I'll, I'll drive us there and then you can drive back. So no, dude, that's like going from, that's like going from Manhattan to Atlantic city. Yeah, dude, we, uh, we actually went to the border of of uh, california and mexico and i wanted to go into mexico but then i didn't have my passport with me so i would have been stuck in tijuana so i didn't think it was a good idea well if it was a week later they would have been too busy celebrating their newest champion jeff in alexa grasso dude should we start there let's yeah, like, dude. Let's yeah. like it, i mean fuck it we don't have to start with the main event there's no rules here Let's start with Alexa Grasso, man. Um, I I have to say I had like a bit of a hunch. Mm. But at the same time, like I couldn't wrap my head around Valentina Shevchenko losing because right. of all of all the past champions in combat sports, there's always been the issue of, you know, they're the champ for so long and they you know, the target on their back is not enough to keep them motivated in the gym. I have to say Valentina Shevchenko is one of the most motivated champions of all time in any sport. You know, um, I want to say it was, uh, shit. Was it, was it Marvin Hagler who said it, it's hard to wake up and run six miles when you're waking up in silk sheets. Damn. I believe the quote was something like that. I want to say it was marvelous Marvin Hagler who said it. Um, and that tends to be true. Like we saw it with Amanda Nunez, you know, she got beat by Juliana Pena because she just kind of was slacking off, um, not training as hard because, you know, she hadn't been challenged in a while, but I couldn't see that happening to Valentina Shevchenko. And it didn't, you know, she looked good. She looked sharp. Um, but it was Alexa Grasso's night. Um, you know, I thought Alexa won the first round. And then I thought Valentina made some excellent adjustments. Uh, she exposed Alexa Grasso's wrestling defense, which is not good. But in her defense, her wrestling defense was not good because she was keeping her hands so high and tight, which is why she was having so much success on the feet. Um she was throwing straight punches right down the pipe. She was countering beautifully. Uh, she stung Valentina a couple of times. Uh, even rocked her once, I would go as far to say. Um, but because her hands were up so high, you can't get down and dig for underhooks and get your wizards in time to stop takedowns. And uh, because of that, she was taken down pretty much at will, except when Valentina was shooting from too far out. Then the end of the fight, I'm just going to go ahead and finish giving my summary here, Jeff, before I ask for your take on it. The end of the fight was uh, Valentina went for a spinning wheel kick. Uh, she was just not at the right range, and Grasso jumped on her back 
And that was all she wrote. She didn't even have to get the choke under the chin, which it, it was kind of the night for that. Um, it got it across the chin, but still cut off the circulation so much that Valentina's face turned purple. It looked like her head was going to pop like a pimple. Um, but give me your thoughts on, on Mexico's first female champ here, Jeff. Dude, um, you know, I this one's tough because I actually had the first round for Grasso as well, um, and I felt like the second round, uh, Valentina did a lot better. You know, she did really well on the ground. But, you know, and but we've talked about this when we've discussed Valentina Shevchenko and the Amanda Nunez fights. Mm-hmm. Um, Shevchenko really doesn't turn it on until like the third round. Mm-hmm. So I figured the third round, Grasso would have to weather a storm, and she did. She got taken down twice. Um, you know, she, she got held down for a bit. And, dude, I, I really, really felt like if Shevchenko kept going to the ground, that she was going to win the fight. On the feet, I actually felt like she was losing. So the first round, I had it for Grasso, and it felt like she was just a little bit faster than Valentina on the feet. Mm-hmm. Um you know, with her punches and stuff and, and her angles. It just felt like she was there before Valentina could get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, dude, that fourth round, man, it, it felt like Valentina was doing okay, but Grasso was kind of working her way back in and then came, like you said, that spinning back back wheel kick, whatever it was, <clears throat> and Grasso just timed it. You know, she said she had been working on that in the gym because mm-hmm. Valentina likes to do that a lot. Um and dude, like you said, it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't it, the, the choke was on the chain. It wasn't on the, on the neck, but dude, um, Grosso has got, she must have a really tight squeeze, man. Like one of those, you, you get some people in the gym where they'll, they'll put a rear naked choke on your jaw and you feel like you're okay, but then they just have such a squeeze that it feels like your teeth are going to break, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so Grosso must've had a really tight squeeze and dude, I, I was really shocked um, not just with the finish, but with the fight as a whole, man, I felt like mm-hmm. Grosso was doing so much better than I expected. Like yeah. me personally, I felt like Grosso was just really going to struggle. You know, she did really well against, um, Joanne Wood. Uh, you know, they kept showing those highlights, but you know, Wood's a totally different fighter. And I felt like Shevchenko is so physically strong that, in, in the grappling, Grosso was really going to struggle. But like you said, she she had she she really had one opportunity, and she jumped on it, man. She she jumped on that back like it was the only time that the only opportunity she would get, and she was squeezing for her life, man. So great fight from Grosso. Uh, like I said, I, I would have been really fascinated to see it go to a decision, just because I felt like Grosso, outside of the grappling, I felt like Grosso was doing really well, man. Uh, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I gave her the first round. Um, the second round, not so much. The third round, not so much. But in the fourth round, but before the finish, I felt like she was working her way back in. Mm-hmm. And I, I was curious to see what would have happened if that round had ended and had they gone to a fifth round because I felt like Russell was working her way back in, man. Shevchenko didn't look great in that fourth round, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um it was it was kind of reminiscent of the Kamaru Usman Leon Edwards fight, wherein 
you know, Leon won the the first round and then got dominated to the point where it seemed like he was broken and was it was a foregone conclusion he was going to lose a decision. Um, same kind of scenario here. One thing I want to touch on, Jeff, the refereeing in the second or the third round, Valentina was on top doing damage to Alexa Grasso um, and Jason Herzog, who personally I believe is the best referee in the business. A lot of people like to say Herb Dean or Mark Goddard is the gold standard. Uh, give me Jason Herzog any day of the week. But this stand-up was one of the worst calls in championship fight history. I was so disappointed to see him do that. I mean, granted, she was inside the guard, but she was throwing strikes. She's yeah. in the middle of the cage. Alexa Grasso is doing nothing to get back to her feet. And Jason Herzog stands to fight back up. Now, <clears throat> I'm against stand-ups at all. I don't think it's the referee's place to do that. If you can't get up off your back, tough shit. You stay there until the round is over or until you can figure out a way to throw up a submission or get a sweep or crawl your way to the fence and, and cage walk yourself back up. Like, fucking figure it out. It's not the referee's job to come in and save you. I don't care how boring the fight is for some people. Um, and this is a hill I'm willing to die on, Jeff. Like, the referee's job is to keep the fighters safe. I feel like standing up the fighters should be completely banned. And that's something we need to visit um, after this horrible decision by Jason Herzog, who, in spite of this, I would still vouch for him as the best referee in the business. But uh, give me your thoughts on that. Oh, Bill, I agree with you 100%. I'm so glad you brought that up because similar situation happened in the Jalen Turner fight where he was against the cage and uh, <clears throat> Gamrot was working him and the ref broke it up. Uh, I felt like both of those decisions were so bad. Um, I agree with you 100%, Bill. If you don't want to be on your back, if you don't want to be against the cage, it's your job as the fighter to get out of it, man. Yeah. Um, and you know that we we train that we we train sweeps off the ground off off our backs and stuff. We we train how to open up your guard and and you know get out of those those positions. And yeah, I thought it was a really bad call. Um, both in the Shevchenko fight and the Gamera fight. I felt like neither, you know, I, it's the fighters' jobs to work their way into better positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is something that needs to be revisited. Like, why is this even a thing? Why is the referee allowed to, to come in and and change the position of the fight? Like, I... It's one thing if somebody like grabs the fence on a takedown and then they like award the takedown that I'm okay with um, because, you know, it changes the fighter did something illegal that changes the outcome of the fight, but they should not break fighters up against the fence. If a fighter can hold another professional athlete against the fence for five minutes, tough shit, tough shit for that fighter and tough shit for everybody who's bored watching it. Like, that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, but that's just my take. I mean, it, a lot of people might have different opinions. There's a lot of people who wouldn't want to see that. But I find it impressive. 
You know, if you, if you've never tried to hold a professional athlete down, um, like on the ground or against a cage, um, then you don't know like what an impressive task it is, uh, to do for any length of time. Um, in any case, very disappointed in Jason Herzog. Um, Mark Fellow says Herzog is sponsored by the Mexican Performance Institute. Um, I don't know if that is that actually true, or I, I don't know if this is a joke. Um, but yeah, I my my immediate thought was like, does this guy have money on Alexa Grasso? What the fuck is he doing right now? Um, very disappointed in Jason Herzog, who I, you know, I know I shit on a lot of refereeing, uh, in general, but, uh, Jason Herzog has always been a guy that I've spoke highly of, uh, over the years. Um, but man, he fucked up and, and, and not taking anything from away from Alexa Grasso. I'm not saying that, you know, if she had stayed on the ground, the rest of that round, it would have changed the outcome of the fight. Um, or that I would hope it would have changed the outcome of the fight. It's just, you know, the principle of the thing. Uh, let's backtrack to the main event here, Jeff. Um, <laughs> the title of the episode today, Gone in 60 Seconds. Although it was really gone in 120 seconds. 124 seconds, to be exact. <laughs> Dude. Um I, I think a lot of people had a feeling it was going to go down this way, where it was going to be a very one-sided fight if John Jones got his hands on Cyril Gaon, but I didn't think it was going to look this easy. I mean, there was, the hardest time John Jones had in that octagon was walking into it when they cut the tape what? off his foot <laughs> and then getting kicked in the dick in the first seven seconds. <laughs> Other than that, it was like a pretty easy night for um, pretty much the consensus greatest fighter of all time. Give me your thoughts on this main event, Jeff. Yeah, dude, he manhandled Cyril Gaon, dude. I mean, dude, Cyril Gaon looked like a sixth grader in there getting beat up by his older brother. Mm -hmm. I mean... His older brother, who's like 35. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it was like, dude, I and I texted you like right when the card started and I was just like, I don't think God has anything for Jones. I don't think he's ready for him. Yeah, well, I, I, I was expecting like two rounds. Maybe gone gets finished in the third with like a head kick or something. But dude, um, Bill. It, this makes me very sad because I wish Francis Ngannou was here, man, in the heavyweight division to see. I don't, I don't think he has anything for Jones either, man, other than raw power. But Jones is not stupid. He's not going to let uh, uh, Francis Ngannou hit him clean. But, mm -hmm. dude, I, you know, I, I'm always going to have that question, Bill. What if, you know? Yeah, I mean, and it's still possible for Ngannou to come back and – you know, I guess obviously next we're going to get John Jones versus Steve Miocic, um, international fight week. That's an interesting fight. Um, it kind of had the wind taken out of the sails of it though, when they put Steve on the microphone several times, like they had, they showed his reaction. He's just sitting there like, like, yeah, great. And then Megan Olivi tried to interview him who, and Megan Olivi is, is great. 
on the microphone. She's she gets good interviews out of people. Couldn't grab a, a usable soundbite out of Stipe. Then they send Brett Akamoto in, like, all right, Brett's the best journalist we got in the building. Like, put him in front of Stipe. He'll get a good soundbite out of him. Nothing. Stipe is just like, look, the only parts you can make out, he's like, oh, this is a great job. I'm going to kick his ass. <laughs> like, like, Oh, man. Dude, I don't think Stipe is convinced by Stipe that he could beat John Jones. Dude. Yeah, here's like one oh, of the man. baddest motherfuckers in the world. Um, it, and, it, you know, this is a this is a great fight. Um, stylistically, it's interesting, you know, because Stipe does have a, a really strong grappling background, although not as good a grappling background, wrestling background as Daniel Cormier. And we saw John Jones had no problem taking him down, but that was at 205 pounds. Um, it, you know, we could go down this whole rabbit hole and, and go skill for skill, but really the way to build this fight is like the good guy versus the bad guy. You have Stipe, who's like the family man, the greatest heavyweight of all time. in a lot of people's eyes, the firefighter, you know, he, he puts his life on the line for others against John Jones, who's just like human garbage. Um, and I, I hate to keep reiterating that point, but like, it is what it is. Um, and the, the, what's interesting about John Jones is like the dichotomy of him, because I think as human beings in general, Jeff, we're so fascinated with the idea of perfection and, and like, it can't really exist but we want to see it so badly. Like there's just something visceral in us that really wants to see perfection. And John Jones is as close as it comes to perfection in mixed martial arts. Um, you know, a, a couple of fights where, you know, people thought the decision could have gone the other way, but it didn't. Um, and, you know, maybe he wasn't really prepared, but like the best natural talent we've ever seen by far contrasted with someone who does horrendous things in his personal life, like unforgivable things. And he was even questioned about it by the broadcaster. I don't know. I don't know the guy's name, but he asked John Jones, he was like, you know, you, you win the world championship. And in this same city within the last year, you had run-ins with the police. Like, how do you feel? And you saw John Jones's demeanor completely change. And he's like, Oh, you know, Jesus Christ, this, and I love my fiance, that, and the bullshit, bullshit pocket statements from my PR representative. Um, you can't judge someone from their past. It's like, dude, you never fucking took responsibility for the shit that you did. Like, you never came out and said, like, yeah, it was pretty wrong of me to hit my fiance and then headbutt a police car. Like, never took an ounce of responsibility. And that's my biggest issue with it. Um, so yeah, the, the way to build this fight is the good guy versus the bad guy. And that's fine. Like you need to have that. I, I know I went off on a tangent there, Jeff, give me your thoughts. Yeah, no, I think, I think, uh, I think people like stories like that, man. People like adversity, Bill, um, with John Jones, you know, I, me personally, I feel like it's a little too much adversity, but, uh. <laughs> oh, dude! 
Dude, Rick Allen, you're hilarious, dude. He said Steve Bay has always had the personality of a piece of cardboard. Um, <laughs> I would I would rate his mic skills uh, in the same boat. He's yeah. probably got the mic skills of a piece of cardboard. Combine but, that know, with the fact that when he talks, it sounds like you put a handful of marbles in a Vitamix. Yeah, dude. Uh, Steve Bay just he, he talks like what a rock monster would talk like. Yeah. Like, um. Like Bill, did you did did you watch that movie Noah, um, with uh, with Russell Crowe? So no, so it's the story of Noah's Ark, but then like after after the rain and everything, um, these like rock monsters come out and they're like telling them how they're like fall how they're angels or something. It, uh-huh. it it's weird, but but those rock monsters, that's what Stepe Miasic sounds like when he talks, mm-hmm. dude. Um but yeah, I think that's the only way you can market this fight because Stepe doesn't have the bike skills. Yeah. Which makes me wonder like how he manages as a firefighter because as you know, Jeff, I I spent seven years as a volunteer firefighter uh when I lived in New York and one of the hardest things when you're going into a burning building is actually hearing people on the walkie talkies. It's just, you know, there's a lot of noise. The walkie talkies aren't great quality. You've got a respirator mask on. There's a lot of things going on. So you have to focus really hard to understand what's going on on the walkie talkie. Like imagine if Stipe is trying to guide you out of a burning building on the other end of that walkie talkie. Like, I don't know what his role is. If he's like, if he's like a truck guy or if he's like an engine company guy, if he's like going into the building, but like, man, that guy calling for an SOS, they must have like, they must have like a Stipe interpreter on the other end of the walkie talkie, just like to make sure everybody gets out safe. That's my, my biggest concern when I hear him speak, I'm like, how the fuck is this guy getting on the walkie talkie when he's got, and he's inside a, a respirator mask. Oh man. I'm on fire today, Jeff. I can't help it. I got a lot of energy. Had a nice bike ride. Yeah, dude. Um, Dude, it, it, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm still excited for that fight, man, because uh, along with Stipe's wrestling credentials, uh, he's a he's re- he's a really good boxer, man. I, I think he is a better boxer than Daniel Cormier for sure. Um, Cormier, the the win that he got over Stipe, I felt like Cormier just fought the right fight, man. Um, yeah. Well, it was the dirty boxing too from Cormier. Yeah. Like he was able to get his get that collar tie, and it, that's where he has like that close range power. And it, you know, Cormier packs a punch. Like he, he may not have the crispest boxing, but you know, if he gets a hand on you, it's going to hurt. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I am curious, uh, how, how Stipe versus John Jones is going to go. Cause remember, um, you know, for using DC as, as our, as our threshold here, as our marker, um, you have to remember Stipe is about like eight inches taller than, than DC and I feel like that's really gonna play a big part because um the fights where John Jones has for lack of a better term maybe struggled has been against guys who are closer to his frame mm-hmm. Gustafson in the first fight uh Smith uh Dominic Reyes thank you that's what I was thinking of Dominic Reyes um you know it's it's not to say that he had a hard time but they were able to, because of the physical matchup, I felt like they didn't, they were, they did better, considerably better than some of John Jones, mm-hmm. other 
uh, wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, real quick before we move on, I just want to talk about the actual finish because it goes down as a guillotine choke, and it was. However, you know, some people were kind of questioning, like, why Gon tapped so quickly. So I just want to get into real quickly. There, there are two types of guillotines. So the guillotine we're most familiar with is where you have more of the crook of the elbow um, across the front of the neck. And the pressure is coming on the carotid arteries, which are the arteries that supply the blood to your brain. Um, and if you put enough pressure, you could just stand there with with two fingers on on either side of someone's neck. And if they're not fighting back, you could slowly put pressure and stop the flow of blood to the brain. OK, that's a blood choke. Which is a, a traditional guillotine. What John Jones had was his forearm is so long he kept his forearm across the windpipe of Sirogan, which crushes the windpipe. It's extraordinarily painful. Uh, for, for anyone who's never been put in that choke, um, it sucks. Uh, and it causes a more immediate tap. There's no option to go to sleep from that type of choke. Uh, with a regular guillotine, yeah, you could just tough it out and and not tap and, and get put to sleep, sure. But with a windpipe choke, and I feel like they should have different names because they really attack different parts of the neck. You know, the the regular guillotine should be a guillotine, but, um, you know, the windpipe crush should probably be called something else. So he had the forearm across that. Um, and, and depending if it gets like right on top of the Adam's apple, that makes it even worse, Jeff. Um, you know this. I mean, you, you've you been putting these 100 to 1,000 times. Um but yeah, I just wanted to clarify that real quick. Yeah, dude, I was actually thinking about that. It looked a little bit more like a Marcelo teen, um, just from a standing position instead of being seated. But dude, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was nasty from Jones, man. Gun, it just got bullied, bro. Yeah, and it what what's weird is so the Marcelo teen is more like the arm is pulled through even more. But he had the arm pulled through less and kind of grabbed his own bicep and used that for leverage. It was almost like a like a reverse rear naked choke that crushed the windpipe. It was nasty, man. Uh, and you saw that that gun couldn't couldn't get up, and that's because uh, it fucking hurts. It's not because he was waiting for the blood to come back to his brain like a normal choke. Like he was in pain there, um, but he had no idea what to do. Like once John Jones got him down. Um, he, he just had his way with him. It was, it was so one-sided. It was, it was similar to the, uh, the Bo nickel Jamie Pickett fight, which, uh, we're going to get into in just a second here. But before we talk about that, um, let's get into, uh, Shavkat Rachmanov and Jeff Neal. What a fight this was, Jeff. Man, it was, um, dude, fight of the night for me, man. Uh, it would have been for me if Jeff Neal had made weight. Uh, mm. but since he missed weight by five pounds, which is completely unacceptable. And I know Jeff Neal is a professional. I don't believe he's ever missed weight before. So like there must've been some kind of issue. My immediate thought was like, maybe he did it on purpose just because this guy is so big. Like Rachmanov is a monster for, yeah, dude. for 170. Like he, he's, he's a middleweight in there. Like I would actually love to see Rachmanov and uh, Chamayev 
Like that would be a dream fight for me down the line at some point. And I would like to see it at 185. But it would make sense. Like, let me just give up 30% of my purse just to just to get an even playing field here. But I don't think Jeff Neal is that guy. And, you know, he comes out of uh, Safe Sayud's camp, um, who is also a consummate professional as a coach. I don't think they would do that intentionally. So something must have gone wrong. But at the same time, you're on the main card of a pay-per-view, a big pay-per-view, one of the biggest of the year. Um, you got to make weight. Uh, but other than that, dude, Rachmanov is it is a scary man. Like there, Jeff Neal was hitting him with clean shots, like shots that have knocked out incredible fighters. And Rachmanov just walked through him like, like the fucking Terminator. Um, they, they, they're just built different in Kazakhstan, man. It's like Rachmanov and Borat, you know, to, <laughs> to, to, that, that corner of the world is just, is just producing such talent. Um, but in all seriousness, great fight. And then the way it finished, it was like, it was almost, it was like a standing rear naked choke, but he was like on the side it was like he was carrying a drunk friend home from the bar. He's like, come here, buddy. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> I just choked the shit out of you. Um, it was it was awesome, man. It was an awesome end to an awesome fight. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, Bill, this fight. Listen, Rachmanov dominated the first two rounds. Let's get that clear. But, dude, in the third round, Jeff Neal was making a comeback, dude. He hurt Rachmanov in that third round. But, dude, like you said, Rachmanov's such a tough dude, man. And he hit Jeff Neal with this one right hand, man, where Jeff Neal, his whole world slowed down, dude. And you could see he, he it looked like he was going to fall over, dude. Mm. Um, and, you know, I felt like the choke – he could have finished it with the choke. He could have finished it with punt with strikes. Um, but credit to Jeff Neal, man. He went out on his shield last night, dude. Mm -hmm. If you, if you missed this fight, go back and watch it. Cause it was just, you know, Jeff Neal in that third round, man, showing that warrior spirit, not, not willing to, to be defeated. Um, Man, just what a great fight from both of these guys, man. Mm -hmm. um, but Rachmanov, he's a tough customer, man. And Bill, I feel like we've talked about him a couple of times on this show, man. Mm -hmm. um, I felt, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I felt like Jeff Neal was a big jump in competition, but I just did not see Jeff Neal winning this fight, man. Rachmanov, he can grapple too, you know. Um, yeah. Not the best grappler in the world, but he can grapple. Um, he's pretty, pretty competitive everywhere. Yeah. You know, on the feet, in the clinch, in in the wrestling, he's he's competitive, man. Um, so I, you know, I, the sky's the limit for Akmanov, man. What a great performance from both of these guys last night. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wonder if Joe Rogan has like a collection of those, like of those like fur pelt hats. <laughs> no, because I know I think the Beeb gave him one too, right? Yeah, I think a few fighters have put them on him. I think maybe Marab had had given him one mm. at some point too. I wonder if he keeps them or if he just like, oh man, does this thing have fleas? And he just like throws it in the trash. Nah, <laughs> like dude. I couldn't even tell what animal it was. It looked like a. It could have been like a chupacabra or something. 
I don't like it. <laughs> and I wonder if it was like a fresh kill. Like he went out into the woods and, and just killed that right before the fight. All right. Uh, Mataus Gamrot uh, and Jalen Turner. To me, uh, I thought this was a clear win for Mataus Gamrot. It was a split decision win. Uh, I gave him the first and the third rounds. Um, I thought he did a good job of getting in and out of the pocket. I thought Jalen Turner had some moments in this fight. Um, and he had some stretches where he was using his size very well in Gamrot. But, you know, Gamrot did a good job getting him to the ground, getting in and out of the pocket. He was landing clean shots. Um, and I give all the credit in the world to Mataj Gamrot because he was ranked well ahead of Jalen Turner and took this fight on 10 days notice because Dan Hooker, there's not a lot of guys who would step in on short notice to fight a guy ranked. Uh, so I stepped in, he made weight, he fought the lower ranked dangerous size and length that he has uh, in that lightweight division at six foot three. Um, and and came away with the win. I was uh, well. I lost you for a sec. Oh, sorry. Um, did you hear my whole triad on uh, Mataj Gamrot? Yeah, dude, I agree. Um, I felt like it should have been a unanimous decision as well. Um. I I felt like Gamrot's wrestling really won the day here, man. Uh, was able to take down Jalen Turner basically whenever he wanted. And, you know, the timing on his takedowns was really good. And, Bill, I was really impressed with Gamrot, man. Uh, it was a ballsy move to take on the Turner fight because, you know, he, like you said, he's, he's ranked higher than Jalen Turner, um, you know, risks losing that ranking in a loss here, but he said, you know what, forget that I'm here to fight and mm -hmm. went out and won, man. Not a lot of lightweights, uh, especially in those top five, man. They're not willing to, to, to sacrifice so much. So good for him. Good win for Gamma. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't want to spend too much more time on this card, but we have to talk about Bo nickel. Um, this dude, just a phenom wrestler, uh, four time all American at Penn state. Um, only four fights in MMA and the dude's a stud. Like it, the, the biggest problem. I think I just froze Jeff. Did you hear me? All I heard was, uh, that his biggest problem. And then I lost you after that. Okay. Um, all right, so Bo Nickel, he had one fight in MMA that was like a 30-second knockout, and then he goes on the Contender Series, gets a submission. Dana White's like, ah, he only has two fights. Can't let him in the UFC, but let's bring him back to the Contender Series. Comes back, hits a triangle submission, um, which obviously wrestlers aren't good off their backs, but he, you know he proved that he can do it. UFC debut, main card of a pay-per-view headlined by John Jones. Uh, gets a first round submission over Jamie Pickett, who is, uh, you know, far superior in terms of experience, but just mowed him down and, you know, sat in an arm triangle for about two minutes <laughs> before finally getting the tap. 
the whole time Jamie Pickett was trying to talk about a low blow or, or something or other, but, um, you know, probably should have just been defending the joke. Um, but the biggest problem the UFC is going to have with Bo Nickel is like, what do you do with the guy now? Because now you put him on the main card against a guy who has a lot of experience. You got to put him at like a co-main event next of a fight night, I would think. Yeah, yeah. I I, I would even argue that he could headline a fight night. Um, he probably could. He probably dude, could. And, you know, Bo Nickel, very decorated wrestler, man. Like, like um, you know, there's very few college wrestlers that I follow, but Bo Nickel, you know, that that's a name that people know. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even before he made his UFC debut, people knew mm-hmm. who he was. Um, and I think, um, the problem here is that you kind of have to put him in the shark tank now. Um, and Bo Nickel, listen, it took him a couple minutes to lock up that triangle. Um, so he, listen, he's got the wrestling credentials. Uh, he just needs to work on finishing his submissions, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his jujitsu coaches will, will take care of that. But, um, dude, I, I think, I don't know, man, you can't, you can't really step back anymore mm-hmm. with Bo Nickel. So it's, it, you know, we've seen guys like Conor McGregor be able to handle it. Um, but we've seen guys not be able to handle it as well. So I'm really curious, man. But I think Bo Nickel, I think he's he's on more of the Conor McGregor scale. I think he can yeah. I think he can handle the meteoric rise. Um but yeah, and dude. Yeah, and he's training at an American top team. Like they know what they have. You know, he's in the room with with the highest level training partners. Um, so like he knows where he stands and he's been under the bright lights before. He's been in the spotlight. Um, he's just one of these guys who's like a natural competitor. Um, and and he's gonna do well in these situations. I mean, he looks he looks phenomenal so far. I mean, yeah. the guy has four fights totaling like five minutes of octagon time. Um, so it it's clear that you can't keep giving him like these lower level guys that would just be irresponsible because he's gonna hurt somebody. Yeah. So you have to give him, you have to give him a higher level competition just to put on a fair fight. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what he can do. Uh, he was like a plus 2000 favorite going into this fight Jeez. against Jamie Pickett, who has probably four times as much experience. Um, all right. For the sake of time, I'm going to give a quick rundown of the rest of the card here, Jeff. And then you go ahead and tell me what impressed you the most. Cody Garbrandt looked great against Trevin Jones. Uh, Trevin Jones just a little too stiff. Cody Garbrandt uh, starting to look like the Cody of old. Um, you know, nice footwork, uh, working in and out of the pocket. He looked really good. Drickus Duplessis um, getting the the stoppage over Derek Brunson when his corner threw in the towel. This was a nice back and forth fight. Um, if it had kept going, I had it one to one. I thought this was a fantastic fight. They both rocked each other. Derek Brunson got a little too into the Derek Brunson of old where he was overextending on his punches and leading with his chin up. Um, I didn't like seeing that, uh, but you know, credit to Duplessis. He was, he was able to bring that out of Derek Brunson and capitalize on it uh, by landing some big shots. <clears throat> Amanda Hibas, unanimous decision over Viviana Araujo. Um, Mark Andre Barriolt, uh, TKO over Julia Marquez. Uh, the story of this was just volume. You know, 
Uh, Julian Marquez was doing well in the first round, but he was throwing uh, two small combinations. He was throwing the one and two, and he wasn't following with the three and the four, uh, even though he was landing and having success. Um, he was throwing feints uh, before having success with the strike. So he was throwing feints of like body kicks without landing a body kick. Uh, a feint is only successful if you land something and make your opponent worried about it. And then the feint will be effective. And um, Mark Andre burial landed about 4,000 punches in that second round before getting the TKO Mark Smith stepping in there. Uh, Ian Gary beat the shit out of Kanan song. Um, just brutal. Uh, uh, that guy's face was hematoma uh, all the way across. He's going to be unrecognizable today. Uh, but a hell of a performance from Ian Gary. What I really liked about him is when he was going for the kill, he was still slipping punches in the pocket. Um, he was working the going from the body to the face, slipping everything that was coming his way. He looked phenomenal. Uh, Cameron Simon, uh, majority decision over Leomano Martinez, Tabitha Ricci, Armbar over Jessica Penne in the second round. Fareed Basharat, unanimous decision over Demond Blackshear. And Loic Radzhabov, unanimous decision over Esteban Ribovics. So um, what uh, what caught your interest the most here, Jeff? Bill, if I can only pick one fight, it's Duplessis versus Derek Brunson, man. Duplessis was struggling in that first round, got taken down by Derek Brunson, was, was held down by Derek Brunson for a bit. So it really looked like he was out of it. Mm-hmm. And he was taking some deep breaths at the end of that first round. It looked like mm-hmm. he was exhausted. But apparently Derek Bronson was pretty tired as well in that second round. And huge credit to Dupla to Duplessis, man, to to you know not quit and to go back in that second round and take back control of that fight, man. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really crazy finish because it looked like if the corner had not thrown in the towel, um, Derek uh, the finish was Duplessis in Derek Brunson's guard, and Duplessis just threw this left hammer fist that Derek Brunson wanted nothing to do with. Man, he actually turned away from Duplessis after that punch. So mm-hmm. great fight from both of these guys. Um, I'll be honest with you, I was shocked. I was shocked. I thought that Derek Brunson had this in the bag at the end of that first round, but huge credit to Duplessis, man. Mm-hmm. I gotta tell you, I would love to see going forward. I'd love to see Ian Gary against Rachmanov. I think that would be a really fun fight. They're both really tall, really big, <clears throat> big built uh, welterweights. Uh, I don't see the UFC putting that together just yet, but right. somewhere down the line, I would love to see that fight. Um, and then Barry Alt versus uh, Bo Nickel uh, makes sense to me after that great performance over Julian Marquez, who. It, we know is super tough, super durable. Um, you know, Barry Alt should be calling out Bo Nickel because, uh, you know, he had a super impressive performance, but he was on the prelims, whereas the guy with three MMA fights was on the main card. Um, so if you want to move up, you got to move into co-main events and main events. It's not a, all about the rankings. It's about, like, where you can position yourself on the card. Um, overall, this was a fantastic card, I thought, Jeff. Oh, yeah. You know, some people thought, you know, the main event was like a bit of a letdown, like almost like Mike Tyson in the 90s, like when when everybody would 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 get together to watch the fights. And I remember my dad and his buddies would like order the Mike Tyson pay-per-view and then it'd be over in 90 seconds and everybody would be 
so disappointed but the difference with mma is like you had all this other great action leading up to it like so many incredible fights on this card i thought it was great oh yeah i agree with you 100 percent, dude and after you know um after the valentina shevchenko fight i was feeling it bill so i was kind of hoping for jones to get a quick finish here and he did not disappoint yeah, and it was running late. Like I, I was watching this fight at a buddy's house, and I got home after two a.m. So if this fight had gone the distance, I would have been miserable today. Um, still was dragging a little bit in the morning, but you know, luckily the the wife was gracious enough to let me sleep until like eight a.m., which was nice. <laughs> um, let's look ahead to next week, Jeff, because I'm excited for this card. Um, Peter Yan uh, coming off. Uh, the loss to Aljamain Sterling for the championship is going to get in there against his teammate, Marab Devalishvili. Um, I got to be honest, man. Wait, did you say teammate? Yes. Oh, shit. I didn't see this one coming, Bill. No, Marab is Aljamain Sterling's teammate. Oh, 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 I thought, sorry, I thought you said that Balashvili and Peter Jan were teammates. Sorry. No, 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 they're not. They do not like each other. Um, I I don't see Peter Jan standing a chance in hell in this fight. I know a lot of people are really high on him. Um, and and they thought he was, you know, beating the hell out of Aljamain Sterling. There was that whole drama with that with that first fight. But in the second fight, he could not stop Aljamain's wrestling and he could not keep him off his back. How are you going to stop Marab's wrestling? This guy is so tenacious. He's built for five-round fights. Uh, good luck putting his lights out uh, because he's just like, you know, cardio improves your chin, and this guy has some of the best cardio in the game. I And I'm usually not so bullish on, like, leaning one way or the other towards a fighter, but, like, I just don't see how Peter Yan wins his fight, Jeff. Yeah, it's hard to argue with you, Bill. Marab Valishvili is an animal in there, dude. And listen, this guy has a hard time getting fights. He's he's inactive not by choice, man. It's because nobody wants to fight him, mm -hmm. okay? Um, but yeah, dude, and like you said, he's training with Aljo. Uh, I'm sure Aljo helped. I'm sure Marab helped Aljo get ready for that Yan fight. Mm -hmm. So this isn't going to be an easier fight, <clears throat> excuse me, than that first Aljo fight was. Um, this is this is going to be a real test for Peter Yan, dude. And Bill, you know me. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I'm a fan of Peter Yan. I think he mixes it up really well. His striking with his grappling. Um, I feel like his transitions are pretty seamless, but. I just don't see it happening against Marab Valshvili, man. Marab Valshvili, mm -hmm. he does everything with aggression. and Everything is calculated, but it's aggressive as well. Um, I I just don't see it happening for Peter Jan, man. I, I don't see him getting past Valshvili. Yeah, and like, I don't know. I I've just always been of the opinion that Peter Jan is just overrated. He's had some great performances, but if you go back and look, Dating back to 2019, he had a win over John Dodson, who's now fighting a weight class below in bare-knuckle boxing. Then he had a decision win over Jimmy Rivera. Who knows where that guy is? We haven't seen him since. Um, then he had a knockout over a 40-year-old Uriah Faber. 
uh, TKO Josie Aldo, like one of the first times he moved down to bantamweight. Then he lost to Aljamain to Sterling because of the, the disqualification thing. Um, then he had the fight with Corey Sandhagen, which a lot of people think Corey Sandhagen was robbed of that decision. It was a close fight. Then he got completely dominated by Aljamain Sterling, which was a split decision for some reason. Um, and then he lost to Sean O'Malley, even though I think he should have won that fight, but I, I don't really give a shit either. Um, so like if you break down like what this guy has done over the past four years or so, I I don't think it matches the hype that he's had. Um and, and that's just where I stand on it. And I think Marab is going to absolutely maul him. Um, the rest of this card is, is shaping up pretty nicely, Jeff. Alexander Volkov versus Alexander Romanov. Only one Alexander can stay. There's only... <laughs> There's only... I, this should be like a loser leaves town fight, Jeff. It's like there's only room for one Alexander in this heavyweight division. Um, and I'm excited for the Nikita Krylov, uh, Ryan Spann uh, rebooking here it was supposed to take place last week, but Krilov came down with some diarrhea or food poisoning, or whatever he had. Um, that's gonna be good. Saeed Nurmagomedov, who we know is a fucking savage, uh, in there with Jonathan Martinez, who's super well rounded, really crisp striking. Um, that's gonna be fun. I'm just gonna run down the whole thing, Jeff, and then you tell me what's uh, what's standing out to you. Um, Actually, okay, here's the one that I'm excited about. Um, Hafael is Sunsau and Davy Grant. That's what I was looking at too, dude. <laughs> yeah, these are two guys that are just fucking gritty, tough, um, you know, can pull a win out of nowhere uh, kind of fighters. Um, fighters, fighters, both of these guys are. Um, you know, Davy Grant is, is known for – taking a licking and keep on kicking. Um, and a sun at one point was considered like one of the baddest dudes, uh, amongst, you know, really hardcore MMA fans. Um, let me just see if the Ariana Lipsky against, uh, JJ Aldrich should be a good fight. Victor Henry, um, against Tony gravely. That's another one to keep an eye on Jeff. I think that's going to be a phenomenal fight. Uh, Victor Henry, very talented dude. Uh, Tony Gravely has been doing awesome since coming off the contender series. And then, uh, Tyson Nam against Bruno Silva. That's a really fun fight. Yeah. That's going to be a good one. And it's buried in the prelims, man. I don't know why. Yeah. And another Nurmagomedov buried in the prelims, a Bubakar Nurmagomedov against Carlson Harris. So, um, there's a lot of hidden gems on this, uh, on this card. We got Cedric Dumas, who's undefeated against Josh Friend. Um, yeah, you have Guido Canetti in there. He's kind of well-rounded versus Mario Batista. Um, Bill, um, I have a friend visiting next weekend, so I might miss this card. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna try my best to watch this, man. Well, what kind of friend doesn't watch MMA, Jeff? Doesn't sound like a friend that you should allow to visit. I didn't say he was staying with me, Bill. I just oh, said he's okay. visiting. All right. Well, you know, 
Take them out to watch the fights. Take them to Barcade. Maybe they'll show the fights. Yeah, dude, but this car is looking good, man. This is yeah. and and this is you know on the going to be on the ESPN app. So mm-hmm. this is this is definitely uh, uh you know the best deal in town type of scenario here, for sure. Which uh oh by the way, Jeff, I, I guess now's as good as time of any to tell you I'll be in New York, um, in two weeks. I'm gonna finally uh see my uh my new niece who is now not so new she's three months old i wish i could have gotten there sooner but um does she have a name yet yeah it's julia okay because she didn't have a name the last time we talked about this bill oh well it must have been more than three months ago but yeah Yeah, sounds about right little julia um and then i'm excited to see my other niece emily who is obsessed with my daughter always watching videos of her on the phone and they FaceTime and they'll just like go out. Like Ariana will just take her iPad uh, while they're FaceTiming and Emily will take my sister's phone and run off with it. And, and they like interact and do their own thing. Um, So it's going to be really cool to see them together, but yeah, I'm going to be up there for five days. So uh, maybe we can link up at some point. Uh, I'll be up there for St. Patrick's day. Yeah, dude, we can get some shamrock shakes. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, I don't do so well with the dairy, but you know, maybe we could do something along those lines. Uh, maybe we can grab a Guinness. That'd be better in my book. Yeah, dude. Um, I mean, it's cold enough up here for one. Sure. Um, yeah. So fun card next week. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and then I guess next week we'll take a look at, at what's coming. The week after, I'm gonna be in New York. Maybe we get together and watch the fights. Um, I don't, I don't know how that week's gonna be shaping up yet. But uh, anything else you want to get off your chest? Um, dude, it, it was a great card. I think we have another great card coming up. And Bill, uh, after next week's card is another pay per view. I think is uh, what's it versus who? What's his name? Oh yeah, what's it versus who? What's his name? Yeah, you're right. What's it versus who's it? <laughs> I can tell you in just a second here. Oh, uh, yeah. UFC 286, Edwards versus Usman. Oh, shit. That, yeah, I'm going to be in New York for that one. So we should try and uh, we should try and link up to watch that. Yeah, for sure, dude. Um, That's going to be a good card. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go Edwards away, but I think it'll still be a good card, man. Uh, let's see. Rick Allen says, when you guys meet, you're going to throw down and record it, right? Oh, dude, Rick, I haven't trained jujitsu in like eight months, man. He says, I say Bill gets KO'd. (laughs) That beard is hiding a weak chin. That's, you know, that's why I grew out the beard. You know, so I get a little more cushion to try and absorb some blows here. Because I just just can't take them like I used to, Jeff. You know, what can I say? Well, um, but I know the truth. Under the beard, there's just another beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, that reminds me. I saw this video of Chuck Norris, and it, it was a pit. He's holding a picture of himself, like, petting a tiger, and he's telling the story of how he met the tiger. And uh, he's like, I bent down, and I started petting the tiger, and it started growling. And the trainer said to the, the trainer said, just stand up slowly 
and back out of the room. So the tiger did. He stood up slowly and he backed out of the room. <laughs> I just love that that Chuck Norris was like so meta aware of it, you know the fun we all have at his expense. Um and I thought it was like the perfect Chuck Norris joke told by Chuck Norris. If I if I come across that video again, Jeff, I'll send it to you. Um in any case Great fights this weekend. Great fights on the horizon. Um, I, I'm excited for so many things coming up. Um, and yeah, if and you don't guys forget to get some merch. Yeah, grab yourself some MMA on the Rocks merch if you want to get an over the top, under the influence tank top, uh, hoodie or T-shirt. You do so through our friends at Team Reaper. Reaper One.co is the website. You can use the promo code MMA Rocks ten to save yourself ten percent on your entire order, whether you buy our merchandise or not um so yeah there's that i i don't think i don't think we'll be selling any hoodies anytime soon because it, it's starting to warm up a lot of places even though you guys got some snow recently um maybe i'll catch the tail end of that when we come up there but other than that that's all we got for this week so until next time cheers everybody goodbye